0: So tonight, I'm very excited. I have been praying that the Lord would help me get through this message. This is a very dear topic to my heart. The love of God is what we're gonna dive into tonight. So the love of God, I think it's often something we don't talk about because it's like, as a Christian, it's like a duh, the love of God, right? We talk about the love of God. We know that God loves us. Um, And I don't know that we spend a ton of time talking about it because it's kind of one of those, we already know that kind of things. But do you really know? in the bottom of your heart, in every fiber of your being, do you really know how much he loves you? Some days, yes, some days, no. Some of you are like, no, I don't. Some of you are like, kind of. I mean, how can we wrap, possibly wrap our minds around that? But do we really know the love of God? I think we all know the two popular scriptures, John 3, 16, where all the kids, they're not in here right now. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Right? We all know that scripture. We all know first John four eight, God is love. So again, it's one of those things we just know and we just talk about, but are we experiencing the love of God in our life? So God is constantly pursuing us, chasing us and pouring out his love. And sometimes I think we're a little oblivious to this fact. I had a picture in my head of a young girl whose friend is like, he likes you. She's like, what? He totally likes you. Oh, no, he doesn't. <laughs> yes, he does. That's crazy, he's my friend, he doesn't like me. Oh yeah? Well, what about this? What about that? What about when he says that, and you were giggling and then he did this? And she's like, well, I never thought about it that way. And when she begins to recap, their friendship and their situation. She's like, oh oh my gosh, I think he likes me. It was the Starbucks on her birthday. It was the little note in her binder. It was the phone call that day she was upset at school and he followed up. It was that week, you can do it. All those little things when she began to calculate and begin to think about it, oh my gosh, maybe he does love. that is us. I think sometimes we're oblivious to the fact that God is doing all these really cool things in our life to remind us, hey, I love you. Watch this. Watch this divine appointment. Watch this conversation. Watch how you're sick and I'm going to heal you. Watch how you're you're worried and anxious and watch when you call out to me how I bring my peace my Holy Spirit comes. Watch how when you're lonely, your friend calls you or texts you, hey, I'm thinking about you. I think we chalk it off to life, we chalk it off to other things. We just think, well, you know, it's just whatever. Sometimes we think it's our own good doing. Like we're patting ourselves on our Life's going good, so we must be doing something right. But could it be that we're oblivious to the fact that God, in his little and big ways, every day, in day in, day out, he's pouring out his love on us. So my heart tonight is that we become aware and we're not that oblivious girl who has no idea she's being lavished with love she's just in her own little world. Start recognizing those things when God is pouring his love out on us. God is creating these moments in our life to show us his love. He wants nothing more. Right? He wants nothing more than for us to understand his love. He sent his only son to die for us. That was a big thing. That was a really big thing. But all the little bitty things that he does, who could do all those little bitty things, right? And sometimes He uses us. He sends one of us to give a hug. He sends one of us to hug our kids at night. He sends one of us to talk to a co worker, someone in the grocery store who's upset or struggling. But it is God. Let's be clear that there is a God who's pouring out His love, and we get it whether we deserve it or not. Right? We get His love whether we deserve it or not. Thank you, Jesus. I don't have to perform. I don't have to measure up, which I like to measure up. I am a rule follower. I like to do my job and do it well. So I want to check off those boxes. God doesn't have any boxes. He has no boxes. Okay, you did good today. I will love you. No. You did bad today. Yep, I'm going to love you. You're a brat today. I'm going to love you. (laughs) You don't listen. I'm going to love you. You do listen. I love you doesn't matter. He loved the same. Every day, the same. Same love all the time. He has no standard of measurement. No list that he's checking off. And he's not sitting there waiting for us to fail. Isn't that great? Do you ever feel like sometimes we sit there just waiting for you to fail? So like, See! I do that right. God is never, never going to do that. He wants us to cease from striving. I think it's cool. God is, this whole cease from striving. I'm hearing it everywhere. I'm reading it in books. I'm hearing it in conversations I'm hearing it in my spirit he wants us to stop striving it's in the music that's coming out we are a culture that strives we strive and we strive and we strive and we push our kids and we push them to strive our culture and all of this stuff God doesn't want us to strive he wants us to be he wants us to be in love he wants us to live for him enjoy the moments that go by and to stop striving there was a price to pay but your daddy already made it. Isn't that awesome? Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is the perfect scripture to think about when you're in sin and you feel that God doesn't love you because it happens. We sin and we fall short and then we're thinking, oh, how could, because we can't understand it. How could God possibly love me in this mess Like I keep doing this? And so it's hard for us to understand and God's like, I still love you. I loved you before. When you were yet sinners, I died. Then I didn't die on your best day. I didn't wait until you had your best day and go, okay, now I can die for you. Right? He died for us before that. He's our ransom. He paid the price, and it's painful. The veil is torn. God loves you so much. And it was a cost he was willing to pay. Right? It was, he was willing to pay. First John 3, 1. See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children, and that is what we are. I love that scripture. He calls us His children, and that is what we are. That is that. It is what it is. I'm a child of God. Boom. He's adopted us, and we are His children. His love is unconditional. Just like I said before, He loves us the same on our worst day and on our best day when we're making choices that don't glorify Him and when we are making choices that do glorify Him. Romans 8:37 through 39 Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in in Christ Jesus our Lord. Those are some pretty extreme examples, don't you think? Life and death, and the present and the past, angels, and that's a lot of things. If if those things cannot separate us from the love of God, why do we think our little our little things, poof, God's gone? Why do we do that? Do you do that, or is that just me? Like we we do something where like. Somehow, in our little brains, we're like, oh, I blew it. He probably doesn't love me as much today. Or we say, I feel so far from God right now. And we start coming up with all these things, and before we know it, we've talked ourselves out of the fact that He does love us. And His love never changed. Nor life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things past, nor things to come, can separate us ever from the love of our Father, ever. So those little bitty things that we do that we need to deal with, that we need to repent for, they don't separate us from God. They definitely don't separate us from His love. Right? Paul was saying that nothing in all creation can separate us. We are united, we are connected, we are adopted, and we are redeemed. Mark and I are currently walking all three of our kids through this very thing. When they make bad choices, which teenagers do, Children do. Adults do. Sometimes we think we are loved less. I was talking to my son not too long ago, and we were talking about it. how, I'm sorry, JJ, he always looks at me like, really, Mom? <laughs> but we were talking about how when we make mistakes, you feel bad, and you feel yucky, and you feel like, oh, I'm disappointing everyone again. And I asked him, I said, buddy, do you think Daddy and I love you less because you made these choices? And he said, yes. And I said, wait, what did you say? And he said, yes. I said, buddy, I'm a heart broke. I said, buddy, we don't love you any less. Not an ounce. In fact, we probably love you more. Because we get to walk you through something else. Don't love you any less because you made a bad choice, buddy. And we talked about it. And I was thankful that he was honest with me. But we're walking through all three of our kids, when they make mistakes, teenage years, those are the years you make, I made them, I made all sorts of them. Still do. But he doesn't love us any less, and it's very difficult for us to wrap our minds around that because we think if we mess up, you got fiend, you just went down a notch. God never, ever thinks that. On our worst days in the pits, in our messy lives, He loves us just as much as that moment as when we're, I don't know, on your high, you're glorifying God, you're living your life, you made a good choice, you're obedient, whatever. Whatever that might look like for you, he loves you the same. Isn't that awesome? We might be disappointed or frustrated with ourselves or with our kids or with our friends or coworkers, but it doesn't mean we love them any less. And we shouldn't love each other less. If we are, we need to not do that. We need to love them the same, right? Speak life into people. It's not based on our performance or our success. It's just based on the pure fact that he's daddy and he loves us. That's it. We are his. I love that scripture. That's all. It's just what we are. We're just his children. I have in my notes, he loves you, period. That's it. He loves you. He loves you right now, right where you are. Right smack dab in the middle of your messy life. Whatever it looks like. If you're in a season and you're like, my life... It's so messy right now. It's full of sin. It's full of busyness. I don't even know where God is. And whatever. He loves you right smack dab, right where you are. Right in the middle of it. He loves you. First John four nineteen says, We love him because what? He first loved us. How easy is that? Love somebody when they love you first. They love you and they're like, Oh! That feels great, I love you too. It's so easy. And that's exactly what he did, he loved us first. So a few weeks ago, I went to a retreat with 11 other ladies. This was a weekend after our Arise retreat. The retreat was focused on the love of God and centered around a book that my friend, who's actually here, Angela Woodward, we gave. This is Angela. She wrote a book called My Love is Bigger. And I was invited to this retreat Angela and I had only met a few times. And I got this email saying, hey, there's this retreat. I would love for you to come. So I read the email, and she said she prayed over it because it wasn't for everybody. It was just whoever God put on their hearts, they would invite. And so they invited me. I read the email, and I was so busy preparing for our own retreat. I flagged it in my inbox. You know how you do. Either you unread it or you flag it to come back to it. I had done that. I was so busy and I was working full time. I'm trying to do all this stuff in the evenings for the retreat. And I'd sit down late at night to check my email, and it was like this email. was like, blink, 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 blink. Like, read me, read me. And so I'd go read it again, and I would think, gosh, I can't go. We have a retreat the week before. My husband, who doesn't ever travel, is leaving the very next weekend for 19 days. It's crazy busy right now. And so I would unread it or flag it again and go about my business. And a couple days later, I would come back and it's like,
1: blink, blink, blink
0: kind of like God does when he wants to get your attention. He's like, hello, I'm still here trying to tell you something. So every time I sat down, that's what happened. So I had all these excuses. I didn't know anyone. I met Angela and Marissa a couple times. But I really didn't know anyone. And my friend was like elbowing me at our retreat going, this is good for you, this is good for you. Everywhere you go, you know people. And I'm like, shh. So, I was saying, I don't know people, I'm going to miss half of it anyway, because it started on Wednesday, I couldn't leave talk to, to work on Friday, so I wouldn't even get there until Friday night. So I was making up all these excuses. And it's funny, because in our children's ministry last week, they're in this process of learning about Moses. And last week, I had the privilege of teaching them what you do when you make excuses to God. We make them. Moses made them. I've made them. You've made them. We make excuses. Well, I'm too busy or I'm not talented enough. I don't speak well enough. I don't sing well enough. I'm not fun enough. Blah, 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 right? And just like Moses, we can tell God all the things we can't do. We can tell him all about our insecurities and our lack of faith. But what does God love? He loves an obedient heart. He loves it when we decide to be brave and we step out of our boxes and our comfort zones and we decide to follow him. So in the meantime, while I was thinking of all the reasons I couldn't go, I was encouraging all of you ladies to be brave. That was the whole theme of our ladies' retreat, was to be brave and to be obedient and to step out and take risks for God. And here I was, not wanting to go on this retreat because I had, you know, four excuses. And so I thought, all right, Lord, I, I feel like you're in this. I sat down and read the email. Mark and I prayed, and I'm like, "Yep, I'm definitely supposed to go to this retreat." So I was brave, and I went. It wasn't just some random lady with some random book and a random bunch of ladies. It was God. It was God working through people. It was God working through things. It was God working through situations. And I think we often chalk it off to, "Oh, it's this is random thing," or "Oh, that's that other thing." it's God. Let's listen when he's using these things and there's that little blinking light going, hello. You have those, right? Those little things where God's like trying to get your attention. So it wasn't an invitation for all these random people. It was an invitation from God to come closer to his heart. To step out of my box. To do something fun. To do something brave. So do you have areas in your life That God has given you an invitation. An invitation to encounter him. Maybe it's a Bible study that he wants you to do. Maybe it's a relationship that he wants you to cultivate. Maybe it's a conversation that he wants you to have with somebody. Maybe it's he wants you to turn off all the noise in your life for just a minute and get on your knees and pray. Maybe it's an invitation to have a devotional every morning for five minutes. It could be anything under the sun. But what in your life is God giving you an invitation to draw closer to him? Just like we talked about that girl who was oblivious. There is an invitation in your life right now. There's an invitation for love. But where is it? A lot of times he reaches out and we dismiss it because it requires a couple things. It requires intimacy. We all talk about it want to be intimate. We want to have deeper relationships. We want to know God deeper. And then those opportunities come and we're like, I'm busy. And we start backing up. Um, I already read that book. I have enough friends. Because intimacy requires us to go a little deeper. It requires us to open up our heart and be a little bit more vulnerable. And that doesn't always go good, right? And it's the same thing with God god tries to be a little bit more intimate he tries to show us something and we're like oh because it requires it requires something it requires us to be vulnerable it requires us to be real it requires us to to check in and not just check out right so that friday night i drove up to this beautiful lodge i had my worship music blasting and i was so excited And what I walked into was 11 women who loved the heck out of me all weekend long. They encouraged me. They loved me. They held me. They cried with me. They laughed with me. And if I would have just had my excuses, I would have missed out on an opportunity that God wanted to use to bring me closer. So one night when I was there, we did prophetic painting. Marissa is the one who organized it. She's amazing. Um. So our first task that we did, we had to sit down with a blank canvas. We were all around a big table, there's music, worship music on, and we had a blank canvas. And she said, The first thing I want you to do is write down the lies. Write down the lies that God, that the enemy has said about you that you have believed. So some people started writing them right away. Other people it took a minute to think. And oh man, once I knew what my lies were, they were just like writing like, them all over arrows and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. and I was mad because so I'm like, I believed all this. Then I started getting mad at the enemy because so I'm like, oh, I've totally been believing all these. So I was writing them all down. Oh, put that down. She's like, okay. Now what you're going to do is you're going to pick some paint and you're going to paint over all those lies. Just as God covers us and he wipes those lies away, that's what you're going to do on. So that part was easy. We all started doing that pretty quick. Yeah, get rid of that. That's nasty. So as we're painting over them, people are praying, people are just thinking, people are just like trying to get rid of those words as fast as they can. But we painted over it and we, we began to think of what the truth was that God says about us. So what are the lies written on your canvas? What are those things that the enemy has probably subtly snuck in and told you? And because they're frequent enough, because it mimics something else someone else has told you back in the day, or you have an insecurity, or a hurt, or a fear, you just were like, oh, that's true, and you grabbed it, and you put it in your heart. So just take a minute, and just think about this. What are those lies that you have believed that are written on the canvas of your heart? What things have you bought into about yourself, and about God, that are untrue? What areas of your heart are wounded and therefore they are unable to receive the love of God because of it. That's what lies do. They build walls. And then when God begins to tell, gosh, Amy, I just love you. And you're like, no, you don't. I'm I'm unacceptable or I don't measure up or I'm unlovable. And he's like, Amy, I love you. Well, no, that's not true because I'm unlovable. Or whatever those walls are and those lies, they just come up and therefore God's pouring out his love but we can't receive it. So there I sat looking at a blank new canvas that didn't have lines on it. it, was covered up, and I began to grab, um, you guys can see it up here, but I began to grab some teal. I kind of have colors of seasons in my life, certain seasons, I have certain colors. So I'm putting teal in my house right now, and so I just added some teal, began to paint back and forth, back and forth. The next thing I felt like I was supposed to paint is just a gold heart, I picked up some gold and drew a heart, and the only thing I did at that point was God is doing something new in my heart. So I'm going to draw a heart. From there, I heard the Lord say, as clear as day, put an arrow through it. And he said to do this because he had captured my heart once again. This is about the time I began to cry. (laughs) So I painted the arrow through the heart. God wants to capture our hearts. Over. And over and over and over and over and over and over again. When I got to that point, I decided I wanted to paint a fire because I knew God was putting a new fire in my heart. Mark used to do he made this logo back in the day and I was trying to like mimic he's a graphic artist, so I failed miserably. But at the beginning I had this little Kind of flame that kind of came up and was kind of artsy and it didn't look at all like what I thought. And so I was like, Lord, that doesn't really look right. And I was asking Marissa and a couple others, like, how do I make this look like flames? Like, this isn't right. And so she's like, gave me some tips, and then I just sat there a little bit. And I was like, how do I fix this? And then the Lord began to remind me of the characteristics of a fire. Fires are hot and they burn in many colors, so I grabbed some other colors and just read. The flames of a fire go up, and they reach out. They do not stop if there is a boundary there. They are not easily contained. They go where they please, and they grow, and they spread. And therefore, I got a little crazy, and I started doing the flames, and at first they just kind of went up within the heart, and I was like, yeah, crazy! And before I knew it, the flames were up and out of the, the shape of the heart. And this was pretty wild over here. You went out on the side. I know. <laughs> it
1: was pretty
0: awesome. <laughs> I'm a color in my kind of stuff. But all of that to say, the Lord is explaining to me, when I capture your heart, I'm going to set it ablaze. And my dear Kara, you don't get to control it. You don't get to contain it. You don't get to tell it where to burn or how to burn or how hot to burn. And you definitely don't get to put it out, which I don't really want to put it out. But this is what I ended up with. A heart ablaze was then captured by the king. So he said to me, I have captured your heart once again. I have put a fire in your heart and have set it ablaze. Do not try to control or contain my love. Let it burn. I'm in my head I say, burn, baby, burn. (laughs) So the flames in my painting reflected all of the things that the Lord said to me. But he does not want us to restrict his love. And that's often what what we do. When he begins to pour out his love, it's all-consuming, it's overwhelming. And if you don't like to cry, that's your first excuse. I don't like to cry. Stop. I'm not an emotional person. Or we think... Once I cry, everything is going to be let go. All the floodgates are going to come open, right? Or all those hurts are going to come out. Whatever it is, we have all these things. The Lord just wants to love on us, guys. He just wants to pour out His love. There's nothing more beautiful than somebody on fire for God, right? And you can think back in your life, maybe. Maybe a certain season or a certain time, you're like, gosh, I was so in love with God during that season and you get all excited it's like when you first fall in love and you're all weird and you talk in weird voices and you you giggle and you do all those things it's like that when you fall in love with the Lord you remember there's a heart that's ablaze in there and as Christians we often like I said at the beginning we often just we love God it's you know and not that we downplay it but I just don't think we talk about it we don't make it a priority so he wants to capture our hearts once again For some of you, he wants to capture your heart for the very first time. Are you experiencing the love of God in your life? Are you like me and you have seasons where you you let it come in little doses? Just these little doses. And somehow you try to control it. You did not mean to, but you're definitely just like, Okay, this much here. I've got one hour here. Okay, on Saturday nights at church, when His love captures your heart, it consumes you, and it goes with you everywhere you go. You're hugging everybody at work. You're being kind to everybody that nudges you in the grocery store. You're just full of God's love because it's it's in you. It's who you are. It's burning. It's a flame, and you can't help it, right? That's
1: right.
0: He will stop at nothing to get your attention and to get your affection. Thank you, Jesus. He will stop at nothing. So I believe one of the biggest reasons that we don't allow God's love is fear. I was rattling off to the Lord all the things that I thought fell into that category of fear, fear of intimacy, fear of losing control, fear of being exposed. What if God sees how really awful I am inside? Like he doesn't know what's going on in our lives, right? He won't love me then. What if I have to be vulnerable? It's too painful, it's too hard. What if God rejects me? Because everyone else rejects me. So, at some point, he's going to turn his back. I'm a failure. What if he sees that? And then he knows. God reminded me of this scripture. 1 John 4.18 Such love has no fear. Because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. I don't know that we ever could fully experience His perfect love until we get there. But by golly, I'm going to try. I'm going to be as yielded and as repentant and as loving and open and surrendered and yielded as I possibly can to keep that open conduit so the love of God can pour out on me. Because we can turn that off. Guys. Remember our hurts and our pains and our unforgiveness it's putting up walls, and God comes rushing in, and we're like, nope, nope, not today. Let's not do that, guys. And I know we don't mean to most of the time, but we do. We all do it. Zephaniah 3:17. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. And this is my favorite part. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will calm all your fears. The last year is when kids have hit these teenage years. Ooh, I found myself parenting out of fear—fear fear of all the internet, and fear of drugs and alcohol, and all the things teenagers do. And I was parenting out of fear, my kids are like, "What is your problem? I'm a good kid. I love Jesus." It's like, yeah, you're parenting out of fear, not faith. Oh, got it. So I'm shifting. I'm not there yet, but I'm shifting to parenting out of faith and not fear. But the scripture says, he will calm all your fears. The love of God calms all our fears. He sees you through the eyes of love. You are right where you are today and he sees you. Right there. Just as you are. You can trust him. He's your daddy and he's your father. There's absolutely no place you can go that he can't find you. Isn't that awesome? There's there's nowhere. There's not a single place you could go where his love cannot reach you. When you mess up, which we do, he understands. Right? He understands. I'm going to sing a little song. And the only reason I'm singing this is because I feel like I'm supposed to. I was telling Katie day I was singing it, and I was nervous, and she was like, Mom? I said, so what do you think, babe? Should I do it or not? Mom? Did God tell you to sing the song? I'm like, I don't know, but it's on my heart. She's like, well then do it. I'm like, okay,
1: that's a good
0: answer. <laughs> so you can read the words on the screen, or you can just listen. But this is God singing a song.
1: Oh, my name, i
0: that God is so trying to pour out on you? Are you unaware that there's a God who is passionate in love? I think sometimes we think he loves everybody else. And then maybe if he has enough time or space in his heart, that he would give us his life to pursue. Have you ever felt that before? Were you just like, I just want a little love, but I don't want to be a burden to God. So, if you have some time later today, I'd love a little bit of love. Brian, would you come out and please? Do you want your heart awakened to love? (coughs) Do you want your heart to be set ablaze? Do you want the love of God to come and consume your heart? Do you want all of those lies? They're on a canvas of your heart. Do you want them to be wiped away? Do you want God to paint over them and to get rid of them? The heart of our condition is very important to God. Isn't that at the end of the day, isn't that what he asks for? Is a heart? It's a heart. Because we're doers, we try to give them everything else. Here's our money, and here's this, and here's our time, blah blah blah. And God's like, I just want your heart. All that other stuff comes, great. Right? But when you spend time with your kids, don't you just want their heart? You just want a connection. All that other stuff is nice, but stuff. It's a heart to heart connection. And that's what God is after today and tomorrow and yesterday, every day, is a heart connection every once in a while I remember oh God has to catch my heart again and then I said God do it, catch my heart again and then I find myself falling in love all over with the God who loves me who sent his son to die for me and I see a different facet of his character I see a different facet of his heart and I'm like oh my gosh God you're so good known my whole life. I never thought that. I never saw that. He is so good to us. And he loves us so much. Proverbs 3.3. 3, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Find them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So tonight, we're going to deal with those lies on, on the canvas of our heart. And this is something you could do again and again. Because guys, we believe the lies. We just do. We get bombarded and overwhelmed before we know it. There's another lie that we've, like, grabbed a hold of. So tonight we're going to deal with those lies that are on the canvas of our heart. The ones that are holding you back from receiving the fullness of God's love. The ones that need to be painted over because they're rotten and they're lies and they are not true.